0: Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. such an amazing opportunity that we have to lay a foundation of faith in the life of these children. And so many of us sitting here today had that experience of having a Sunday school teacher learning about Jesus Christ when we were a young child. And, uh, and so it's one of our most valued ministries here at the church. Um, And we have plenty of opportunities to serve in that ministry. Right now, Jess and Rachel, who are leading our Kids City ministry, um, they are in the class sometimes three Sundays a month. Um, And we need them (laughs) to be having some opportunities to receive themselves. And so you're going to find in your program today a sheet of paper about Kids City ministry, what it means to be part of that team, and how you could uh, help out. Um, and, and help lay this foundation of faith in the lives of our children. So I would strongly encourage you. We're kind of at that point as the church is growing and more kids are being added to the room that we also need to add more teachers and volunteers to that room. And so uh, we have this kind of online curriculum, and it's very easy, even if you don't have much of a background in teaching, it's very easy to kind of put your hands around this material and uh, and teach the kids or be an assistant in there. So Again, if you have any interest in doing that, uh, ask the person at the wel- uh, welcome table or the information is on that sheet about who to contact. But we probably need about six or eight more teachers in our Kids City ministry to really fully stock that with, with great teachers. And so please pray about considering doing that. We generally try to have people serve once a month. So one Sunday a month you would be able to do that. So, um, So, yeah. Let me just uh, pray, and then we'll get into our service this morning. So, God, I, I thank you uh, for everything that you've, you've done this morning, and for, for just being here in this place, and I just pray, God, that there would be uh, just an overwhelming uh, continued sense of your presence here, and that your voice uh, would be heard through the words that I have to share. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, Last night, of course, the clocks uh, fell backwards and we all got an extra hour of sleep. And in a lot of ways, uh, the the clock falling backwards really signifies that we are officially in a whole new season. And really, when the calendar turns to November, we enter into this probably two-month season of holidays, uh, of gatherings. I I read recently, uh, this week, that... Over the Thanksgiving holiday, 112 million people will be traveling. And out of the the 112 people traveling during Thanksgiving, almost half of those people, 55 million, will be traveling over 50 miles. And almost all of those people traveling for Thanksgiving will be traveling to spend time with family. And what these numbers tell us and what these statistics tell us is the incredible magnetic draw that we have to be with our family. At these special moments, at these memorable moments where there's tradition and there's memories, there's something inside of us that compels us to pack the car full of green bean salad and and a suitcase and go somewhere. It tells us that there's just this, this, entra- this attraction that, that's hard to explain and this attraction that, that is greater than the annoyance of which our family represents. Despite the fact that we have unresolved issues with our families and we all have a crazy uncle and, and there's uh, you know the potential for political arguments, all of the things that it means to get together as a family, nevertheless, we push through all of that To be with our family. Today, we're kicking off, as you can see, a new series called Strong Families in a Broken World. And before we start this series, or as we start this series, I just want to lay a couple foundational comments. Just some foundational stones that this whole series is going to be built on. And the first one is this, that... Anytime we start a new series and we preach a topic, it it automatically divides the room into different groups. Just because we're all in different places in life, we've all had different experiences, so when we bring a topic to the table, it, it naturally hits people differently. And so when we start a series about family, it divides this room, at minimum, into three groups. There's one group in the room today that would say the sum total of their family relationships is that it was a net positive. In other words, it may not have been a perfect home, but when you kind of assess what your family experience is in, at the end at the end of it, you will say, I've had a positive family experience. More good than bad. I'm getting in the car and I'm driving 50 miles to Thanksgiving dinner because I'm happy to do that. There's others in the room who will say, for me, my family experience is a net negative. There's been more harm in my life. My family is where I've experienced and pain and abuse. And when you say the word family, it brings to the surface those pains. There's a third, maybe smaller group, but a group nonetheless. And that's kind of the group that when you say family, it's like there's nothing there. And maybe they weren't born into what we would call a traditional family, or maybe they were abandoned so young, or maybe they've just been separated from their family, or the family has broken so far apart that it's almost like you have this big piece missing in your life. And that's where family belongs, but you don't have that. I had planned on saying this, um, but somebody in, in the congregation came forward with a prophetic word that kind of went in line with what I wanted to say. And So what I w- want to say and what the Holy Spirit is saying here this morning is that no matter what group you're in, no matter what your experience has been, ...that there is hope for you today. There's hope in this series. There's hope in this moment. That God can meet you in whatever group that you're in... ...and He can minister to you. And so, that's what we want to do through this series. Is we want to meet you where you're at in your family experience. We want to come around you and give you that support and that hope. Another foundational comment that I want to make that's important for us to understand... ...is that when we talk about family... We are not talking about some uh, ethereal concept that was conceived by sociologists in in a classroom. It wasn't that a, a bunch of brainiacs were sitting around and saying, let's devise a way to gather people together and to live in a certain structure, and they came up with family. It wasn't that family was birthed out of human enlightenment and the evolution of mankind that in in years gone by we ran around like chickens with our head cut off not knowing who to belong to and we've just more recently discovered what families were. No, Families have been a fabric of mankind's entire history. Families aren't also just a random thing that just happened to form. The truth is that the family structure was birthed out of the heart of God And the family structure plays an indispensable role in the plan of God. What we're going to learn throughout this series is just how dear, how near, the whole family structure is to the heart of God. We're also going to learn how God's redemptive plan, His eternal plan, is all tied in to the family. We're going to learn about the spiritual importance of family. And then here's kind of the last foundational statement that I want to make. And, and this speaks to us in the church, those who call themselves believers, that if we, as the church of followers of God, fail to honor the divinity of the family structure, if we fail to recognize that the family is, is created by God and, and, and preach that and share that and establish that, then we will end up being complicit in the destruction of the family structure. The Bible tells us this, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. It tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. The Bible tells us that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And I want you to know as we begin this series, it's imperative to understand that one of the most fierce spiritual battles that is taking place right now is on the battlefield of the family. There is an attack upon the family. There is a conscientious effort to break down and destroy the family because of the importance that family plays in God's eternal plan. I want to share some statistics with you, and I could list a hundred different statistics, but here's a few statistics that kind of enlighten us as to where the family is and the battle that is taking place. As most of you know, 40-50% to of first-time marriages... End in divorce, and that rate goes up to 60 to 67 percent of second-time marriages that end in divorce. Over the last 50 years, the marriage rate in the U.S. has dropped by 60 percent. There are far fewer people choosing to be married. In 2020, there were 930 160 abortions, 930,000 160 abortions in the U.S and 73 million abortions worldwide. That's 73 million children who were intended to be part of a family that never got the opportunity to. And though abortion might resolve the pregnancy and make the pregnancy go away, abortion does not take the scars and the sorrow and the grieving and the impact away. Seventy-six percent of couples now cohabitate before marriage, and there's all kinds of statistics of the impact that that has. Listen to this: forty percent of children are born to unwed mothers in America today. Twenty-five percent of children—that's one in four—live in a fatherless home. That includes a home that has no biological father, no stepfather, no adopted father. One in four children. God bless the teachers in our midst today. Can I just say that? Teachers and educators, thank you. Christian teachers, teachers who have faith, who are in the classrooms today, thank you for what you do. Do not grow weary in well-doing. One in three women have experienced domestic abuse, and one in seven, seven women have experienced physical injury from domestic abuse. What that tells us is that people are experiencing violence within the family structure. That obviously has an impact. This last one, there's not a statistic related to it because it hasn't been around long enough, but as we all are aware of, part of our present culture is the gender identity issues, transgenderism, and gender dysphoria, which is a more new thing, a more modern thing, and it hasn't been around long enough to actually turn itself into a statistic as it relates to families. But you can imagine the gender confusion that is happening today is going to have impact on tomorrow's statistics when it comes to families. What is that going to mean in the broader definition of what families look like? You say this, if you have been impacted or if you identify with any of these statistics, I don't share these statistics in any way to be judgmental, but also it's imperative that we recognize what is happening so that we as a church, as a staff, as brothers and sisters can come alongside you and support this. The name of this series is Strong Families. And I think there is a call on our lives as Christians, on our role as a church, and on my role as a pastor is to, to come along and to help curate and to help build and to help strengthen families, and in many cases, to help rebuild families and to restore families. That's our responsibility and that's our call, but in order to be able to do that, we have to really have our eyes wide open and be aware of what is happening in the family today, and that as those who value the the divinity of families, God's place and importance for family, we are essentially swimming against the stream in culture. Where the culture is saying that family doesn't matter, traditional, structured families don't matter as much, that we are the ones that are swimming uphill. But that's kind of the direction that we've always been called to swim. And so as we begin this series... I just want to let you know that there is hope, that there is healing, there is relationship here in this place. So let me just pray. So, God, I thank you that you place the lonely in families. I thank you for the spiritual, the divine importance of families. And I thank you today, God, that you have the ability to redeem and restore whatever has been broken. And so, for those sitting here today who have experienced brokenness in their families. Come Holy Spirit and bring healing to their hearts. Bring peace to their hearts. For those in this place who have experienced pain and trauma in their families, I I pray God that you would bring healing to the deepest places. For those who are in the process of, of managing and building their families, but sometimes feel as if they're falling behind or maybe not doing as good of a job. God, strengthen them and encourage them today. I just pray as a church that we would support one another. For those of us who have raised kids and for those of us who, who, who have learned lessons, maybe we come alongside young families and those who have gone through pain. Today we're going to begin this series by looking at God's purpose for strong families. And we're going to begin by actually going all the way back to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis 1, we read the entire creation account, that God created the whole world and everything in it, and God created Adam. And then he kind of says this strange thing in Genesis 1. He says to Adam, "...be fruitful and multiply." What's strange about that is the the vehicle or the modality for Adam to procreate did not yet exist. It wasn't until Genesis 2 that God made it possible for Adam to procreate and for Adam to be part of a family. We pick this up in Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took uh, one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then uh, the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So what we see from the Genesis account is we see that the ideal, the unadulterated model of what a family should look like is that bond and that connection that Adam and Eve shared. That's what Genesis is. It's like oh there is the perfect prototype. There is the unadulterated example of of what a family looks like and the purpose of a family. What we learn from Genesis 2 is that God's purpose for our family relationships is that they would prepare us for our personal relationship with Him. I don't know if you've ever thought of this before, but our family relationships are kind of like the place uh, the, where that foreshadows, that prepares us for God. That it's within the, our family relationships where we learn what, um, what unconditional love is. That in our relationship with our parents, we receive unconditional love and, and our hearts get accustomed to that and our minds are, are, are able to understand that. And so because of the unconditional love that our parents uh, provide us, when, when we have the opportunity to connect with God, we go, oh, I know what unconditional love is. It's it's in our family structure that we learn what safety and protection and provision is. And when that is provided to us by our parents, then it's so easy to make that transition into a relationship with God. Because when God says, I shall provide all of your needs according to My riches and glory, you go, yeah, I know what that looks like. My mother and father did that for me. And when in our home, we experience acceptance and grace and mercy, even when we make absolute fools of ourselves and embarrass our parents, they still love us. Then, when God says that I love you, I will never forsake you. I throw your sins as far as the east is to the west. We naturally go, oh, Yeah, my parents did the same thing for me. But because of sin, and because many of us in this room today have negative experiences. With our family, it kind of clouds the filter through which we see God. And it makes our ability to connect with God much more of a challenge because of what we've experienced in our homes. If in your family structure you experienced abandonment, and at the moment when you needed your family to be there for you, they abandoned you, then you're naturally going to assume or project that on God. And when God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you go, that's not been my experience. And that's hard to overcome. When you have been rejected or when you've been criticized or when you've been put down and your your family has hurt you with their words and they've condemned you and judged you and been critical of you, then then you're, you're that much more apprehensive to, to hear anybody else speak over you and you're expecting every time somebody opens their mouth to be criticized and so you're like, I don't want to know what God's going to say about me because I know what others have said about me. And when you've experienced in your home control and manipulation and, 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 and just this, yeah, this controlling spirit over you, if that's what you've experienced in your home, then you naturally are going to assume that God is going to be controlling and demanding as well. God desires for us to experience who He is in the homes that we come from. Does that make sense? you could probably list a hundred characteristics of God that we were meant to experience in our family before anywhere else. I'm just going to quickly share this morning with you three things that God wants us to experience in our families and in our homes so that we will be able to experience them from God. And the first one is that families allow us to experience unity. God created the family structure so that you and I could experience unity Type of unity that he desires to have with us. When Eve was created, Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That is why a man leaves his mother, his father, and mother, and is united, connected, sewn together to his wife, and they become one flesh. See, our familial bonds are not just biological, they are biological but they're not just biological. It's not just a a science that holds us together. Are The bonds and the unity and the connection that we feel within our family, they're not just emotional. Even though we share all of these emotions, we share all of these traditions, we share all of these experiences, there's something much deeper that, that connects us as a family. We are actually spiritually connected to our family. There is a Spiritual, unseen connection that we have with our family members that is much deeper than anything else that we can ever conceive or understand. During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this Therefore, what God has joined together, this is a divine connection, a spiritual connecting. Let no one separate. So it's important for us to understand that when God puts us in families, He binds us together. He weaves us together. He sews us together so that there is such an overwhelming, deep sense of unity and connection because He wants that to be a foreshadow of the relationship that He wants with us. He wants us to know what it means to be absolutely connected, bonded, and overwhelmed with a sense of belonging so that when we have an opportunity to enter into a relationship with Him, we know, oh, I know what it means to feel like I belong. And that bond, that unity, that connection, that sense of identity that comes from our family, that is just something that is so absolutely impactful to our lives. My daughter sent me this picture recently. As many of you know, Emily, who used to lead our kids' ministry, her and her husband recently moved out to Colorado Springs. And I just happened to have another child out there. Uh, Gwen and I have another child. He's not just mine. Um, but uh, he lives in Breckenridge, Colorado. They live a couple hours away. And so a couple weekends ago, Emily and Garrett went over to Breckenridge to visit Isaac. And so this might just look like a picture of two people in a very scenic setting and a dog. But when I saw this picture, it hit me on a very emotional level. Because when I saw that picture, what I saw was we have created a bond that is going to outlast us. See, I'm not in that picture. Gwen or I aren't in that picture. But the family bond is in that picture. Their kids are now adults. Emily just moved out of the house. We're empty nesters. They're on their own. When I saw that picture, I thought to myself, that's family connection right there. That is a bonding that is going to last beyond my own lifetime. And God wants us to know through our family what it means to have an eternal bond. That nothing will ever separate us from that. Paul was so passionate about this bond. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so Paul was referring to this unity, to this connection that ran so deep That even when you and I make mistakes, even when you and I sin, even when you and I, like the prodigal son, run away, walk away, and do our own thing, that bond remains in place. And the Father continues to long and wait. And if you want to see a perfect image of what a family bond looks like, imagine in your mind... The bond that happened when the prodigal son returned to the father and the father embraced him. And in that moment, when the father embraced the son, that was what unity looks like. That was what family meant to be. And that image of the prodigal father embracing the son in his stink and in his sin and in his dirt, that is family unity. And that is something that God wants us to experience, an unconditional connection that in our relationship with Him, we will never doubt that He will receive us no matter how far away we've gone. And I don't know if in your life you've ever experienced that, but I believe that today and through this series, the Father in Heaven wants you to experience unity like you've never experienced it before. The second thing that God wants us to experience in families is that families allow us to experience security. It's in the context of families that were meant to first experience security. And and I don't know if there's a better or more poignant image of what security looks like than when you have a new mother holding her newly born child against her chest, all wrapped up in those swaddling blankets, and she is just holding that child close. It's such a beautiful image of what security looks like. Of being held, of being warm, of being fed, of being defended, of being secure. And that image, that security is the image that God wants us to have of Him. The two kids, I have three in total, but the two kids that were in that picture. First, Isaac was my oldest, and I remember when he was born, I was 25. And I remember the first time I held Isaac. And the thought that hit me was, I can't ever once drop this child. I played a lot of sports. And, you know, you play basketball. And sometimes you drop a pass. Or, you know, football, you drop a football. And I'm like, I can't make one fumble. Like, I cannot drop this kid. And, I'm like, that was, like, overwhelming. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Now, to be truthful, once they hit around the age of four or five, you're always dropping them on their heads, you know. And it mild effect. But but when they're that young, it's like I gotta protect this kid. And like it was overwhelming to like a young, irresponsible kid, twenty five year old like myself. I was overwhelmed with that. Now fast forward about twenty eight years and this past summer my daughter was getting married and she didn't let me do the ceremony because she knew I would cry through it, but she did let me give a speech at the reception which I also cried through. One way or the other I was crying at that wedding. And so I remember looking at Garrett, my son-in-law, and through tears in my eyes, I said, Garrett, for the last 23 years, it has been my job to protect this girl. I've done that. I've kept the wolves away. I've protected her. And I remember thinking in that moment, it was a scary moment for me, because this protection that I've provided to Emily, I'm now putting her in Garrett's hands. I'm saying, you're going to have I remember the, the emotion and the feeling of I was having to transfer, you know, this sense of protection to Garrett. Now I'm willing to go all Liam Neeson, you know, if I have to, if something happens to Emily, I, I'll still, I'll still do that. But it's really his job at this point. And I had to give that up, and that's what family does. That's fam- what family is meant to do. From the moment that they're born. So the moment that they walk out the front door as an adult, and even long after, families are meant to provide that sense of security. And this concept and this experience of protection is meant to foreshadow the protection that God wants to provide for us in our relationship with Him. Over and over again in the Bible, we see this beautiful imagery of the Father in heaven protecting us, loving us, fighting for us, defending us, surrounding us with His army of angels, and protecting us in every way. There's so many scriptures that talk about it. Psalm 32 is one of them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. There's such a beautiful picture, and I want you to know today, that the Father wants you to know that you're protected. Now let me just say this. For some of us who grew up in homes where we were not protected, at a very young age we realized we were going to have to protect ourselves. And so we developed this wall, we developed this toughness that gets us through life, but it also creates this hindrance for us to be able to surrender fully to God. And what can stand between us and God sometimes is our own sense of obligation to protect ourselves. And to be able to fully embrace God, we have to release our need to protect ourselves. Maybe even today or through this series, God is going to say, would you let go of that? Would you lower that wall That obligates you to protect yourself so that I can fully protect you. Here's the last thing that I want to share is that families allow us to experience authority. It's within our family structures that we first learn both sides of authority. It's within our family structure that we learn how to honor authority. So when we're born and when we're toddlers, we we learn, you know, hey, clean up your toys. Finish the peas on your plate, wash your hands, go to bed on time. We learn to honor authority. And the older that we get, we continue to honor authority. But you stay within that family structure long enough. Eventually, now you have to learn how to operate in authority. Now you become the one who is responsible for the authority. And so the family structure teaches us both how to respect authority, to respond to authority, and also to operate in authority. Or at least it was meant to be that way. Without getting on a soapbox, it would be easy to say that much of the problems that we have in our culture today because of the breakdown of the family is that today people don't know how to respect authority and people don't know how to manage authority. And that's why we have so many of the problems that we do. Every single strong family, every single healthy family has a strong and healthy structure of authority. And that may look different in every home. I'm not here to define that. But every healthy family has a clear understanding of the lines of authority and where those lines are and who's in authority and how to respond to it. Authority was a huge component of God's original plan and God's original family. In Genesis 1, it says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. From the very beginning, God wanted to share his authority with us as part of the family business. It was an integral part of the first family. And he places us within families so that we can learn how to respond to authority, so that we can learn in a family structure how to obey, how to be disciplined, how to be led, And we can also learn in the family structure how to operate in authority. But then when sin enters the picture, and imperfect families enter the picture, then all of a sudden our experience with authority isn't exactly what it was intended to be. And maybe we grew up in a home where there wasn't any authority, or we grew up in a home that had inconsistent authority, or we grew up in a home that had domineering authority, and so we may have rejected that. And that's the effect of sin. But then Jesus comes along, and Jesus does two things. First of all, Jesus creates a whole new family. In coming, Jesus replaced the family that Adam and Eve had with a whole new spiritual family. And we sung about that today. Because of Jesus, you and I are now part of a new family called Sons and Daughters of God. But not only did Jesus Christ replace the family and restore a whole new family, He also restored authority. Some of Jesus' last words to the disciples who part of the Great Commission is when he stood up and he said this, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me, therefore go. And what Jesus was saying is, as I leave, I'm extending my authority to you, and now go and operate in my authority. I don't know if you've ever seen this connection, but the experience that you and I have in our families is meant to prepare us to operate in the authority of God in our lives. That if in our homes we learn how, how to respond to authority, to submit to authority, to, and then also how to manage and handle authority, it prepares us to step into the authority that you and I have as believers of Jesus Christ. To preach the gospel, to pray for the sick, to drive out demons. The authority that we have in Christ, the way we learn how to manage that is in our homes. We're going to move into the close of the service, and I'll invite the... Worship team, forward. God's purpose for the family is that it be an incubator of sorts through which we learn of the character of God. That our family be the place where we learn the goodness of God and the character of God so that our hearts are inclined towards God. So as we bring this message to a close, just a a couple maybe takeaways or applications. If what I described today was not at all your experience in your family, then there are probably areas in your heart that need to be healed. And today we're going to have an opportunity as we sing to receive prayer and for that to happen, and we'll provide that through the rest of this series. For those of you who are presently in a family, whether you are leading a family or whether you're planning on going to Thanksgiving to be with your family, Maybe today is an opportunity for you to consider how have I been behaving within this family? How have I been leading within this family? How have I been operating within this family? And is there something that I can do to more accurately reflect who God is? Is there something that I can do that can contribute to my family being a more accurate impression of who God is? Because it's through our family that we learn God, I thank you for this message. Thank you for this opportunity today to experience healing and restoration. I thank you, God, that you design families not randomly or just by by chance, but families are an integral part of your eternal plan. So I just pray that you would fill this place, God, with your healing, with your hope, with your restoration. I'm going to ask if the prayer team would come forward here at the front of of the room. And as we sing this song, I'm just going to invite you forward. If if you want to receive prayer today for any reason related to to what I shared or just anything else that's going on in your life, our prayer teams are here to stand with you. I would encourage you not to leave today uh, without getting an opportunity to, to receive prayer, to receive healing, to receive restoration, or just receive hope prayer teams are available for that. If you want to stand together, we'll sing this closing song. Come forward and receive prayer if you'd like to do that today.